Welcome to Embrace the Chaos. I'm your host, Joe, and this podcast is brought to you in association with the Celtic Chaos community, the creators and curators of Celtic Chaos, a large themed camp at Burning Man which formed in 2013 and consistently brings some of the biggest, loudest and most fun parties to Black Rock City. We discuss all things chaos and all things Burning Man, lifting the veil to show you behind the scenes at what it takes to build and run a sound camp. We delve deep into our experiences of Burning Man and how those experiences travel with us into the default world, creating a ripple effect of beauty, connection and fun throughout our entire lives and indeed the lives of those we touch. On this inaugural episode of Embrace the Chaos, I speak with Natasha, who after her first burn in 2010, went on to co-found and create Celtic Chaos, a large-scale theme camp at Burning Man. And we look at how Burning Man has altered the trajectory of Natasha's life over the last decade, and how her love for Burning Man resulted in the opportunity of a full-time role with the Burning Man organization for more than two years. We explore how the love of something greater than oneself creates bonds that have lasted the test of time and perhaps the test of patience. Celtic Chaos sadly lost one of its beloved co-founders, Stephen Crow, on the 1st of February 2020. Crow, who was one of Natasha's closest friends and neighbours, hailed from a small town called Kilbegan in County Westmeath. Crow left Ireland and set off for New York in 1998 and a decade later moved to San Francisco. Coincidentally, or in a masterstroke of pliodipity, on the day of this recording, the 6th of May, 2022, Crow's ashes were making the penultimate leg of the journey, which started in Ireland, through New York, and were arriving in San Francisco, where they will remain until he is brought to his final resting place at the temple this August. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on this new podcast, Embrace the Chaos, as you are one of the co-founders of Celtic Chaos uh, and really a huge driving force behind the camp, the creation of it and the success of it. So much so that you have earned the title of the Queen of Chaos, which is very, very fitting. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Um, it's become a bit of a nickname uh, just um, because I'm kind of an organization freak. Um, so it's kind of funny that they call me the queen of chaos because chaos is something I've had to embrace um, <laughs> with, with the camp. Um, but I have been involved since 2013 when the when the camp was founded. And it's really become a passion project for me. And um, I have loved every second of it and, you know, building community that has really grown to all corners of the, the globe at this point. And I've met some yeah. amazing people through it. Because you have resided in San Francisco now for quite some number of years, and you've recently purchased a place out in Joshua Tree as well. So although you are stateside, you're very much Irish at heart, hailing from Warren Point County Down. And John Walsh actually said that Natasha has been the driving force behind Celtic Chaos since the start in 2013. She's the one who dots the T, I's and crosses the T's and encourages a lot of the creativity to help people come up with great ideas, but also then is able to rein everything back in to what's realistic and what's possible to do, uh, which I definitely see in you. You know, Celtic Chaos wouldn't be, wouldn't be what it is without yourself. 
John also said that he doesn't think that any of those early builds for the iconic castle in 2013 would not have come to fruition without you dragging everybody up to the yard for the painting parties and <laughs> making sure that that got done. He said the crack was brilliant and that he's also sipped down some of those uh, warm beers. Warm decanted beers in the yard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun memories, yeah. Definitely, Crow was definitely a, a big driving force for getting people in the yard. I I think the role that I played really was translating kind of what was to be built to the rest of the group. So kind of, you know, merging those two things together. Um, I would spend a lot of time with with Crow, with Billy and then with my husband, Chalky, who was, you know, a key carpenter for the castle build. Um, and I would kind of dissect the plan with them. And then go and explain it to the rest of the group in layman's terms, you know, how many panels we have to paint and um, and then get people thinking about, you know, creative decor and, and other pieces. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. A couple of people have reached out to me just during the week, funnily enough, asking if they could camp with us through the Burning Man group on Facebook. And one of the guys has actually said that, you know, he wanted to camp with us this year. He'd spent quite a lot of time with us in Celtic Chaos simply because the castle, especially in 2013, was a beacon for them. And they just found <laughs> themselves always gravitating towards it. But I want to rewind, you know, before the inception of the castle, your first burn was in 2010. And that was That's Crow's right. first burn as well. So it tell was. us a bit about that. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Me and Crow have almost been on two like parallel journeys. We both went to Burning Man in 2010, having not really researched it, didn't really know what it was. We went with one friend, both independently, um, and had really no idea what was what we were in for and what, what it was all about. Um, we we're both really wowed by um by the art, by the sense of community. The gifting piece, I think, really took took us back, especially when you're um, a virgin burner and you come really unprepared. Um, how people look out for you and people help you and um, and just make your Burning Man experience. Um, and so it was after that year, um, we, you know, we both had our first burn. We we actually met at the Paddy Mirage, which is an Irish bar that used to exist on the playa. And Billy Vaughan, who is one of the founders of Celtic Chaos, um, was instrumental in the creation of that bar um and so we met there and then um met up again in the city um and um started to go to more burning man events decompression and from there i think you know the idea of us doing something together um you know it came about then a couple of years later when we decided to do um to do celtic chaos Mm -hmm. And what a way to launch a camp. Like, you know, you didn't go in softly at all with it to build that big structure. Go big or go home was was the the, um, the idea from the outset. And Billy said to me actually the other night that, um, you know, Mal and Crow asked him, you know, what do you want to do? And he said, let's build a castle as a laugh, thinking the lads would tell him to go piss off. But the lads were like, OK, Let's do it. And that really took Billy by surprise. So the castle was his idea. And um, yeah, it was quite an undertaking that, that year building it um, in 2013. We spent the entire summer, every single weekend, most evenings, you know, building the panels, painting and, and you know, building out the bar and everything. It was was quite an undertaking. <laughs> and then the logistics of it. So uh, Celtic Chaos have a yard uh, in San Francisco, transporting that then from the yard, taking it into Burning Man and assembling it. Talk us through that a little bit. 
Yeah, well, a lot of that comes down to Billy. Billy is, um, he's sort of head of all of the haulage and transpo. Um, we have three trailers um, used to come from San Francisco. Now we've moved um, most of our camp infrastructure to Fernley, which is closer to the event site. Uh, it's a couple of hours outside of Reno. Um, and, uh, but, you know, we used to transport from San Francisco. We would have a huge flatbed trailer, you know, like 40 foot. Um, you know, the castle panels would go on that. And uh, the same size of trailer that was enclosed that would have, um, you know, scaffolding, it would have uh, furniture, decor and like, you know, water tanks, all that kind of thing. Then we had, you know, the third container, which was, you know, the bar container. Um, you know, and uh, then we used to have a horse box back in the early days that would store all the booze and it would have fridge freezers and stuff like that. So um, as you can imagine, with so many trailers and vehicles, that is multiple runs. Um, mm -hmm. you know, up and down the road, um, which is why we've kind of simplified it now. But Billy, uh, kudos to him, is is kind of the champion behind all of that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's huge. Yeah, it's a massive undertaking. First load goes at the end of July. You know, Burning Man doesn't happen to the end of August, but the transport process starts much earlier. Yeah, yeah, there's a huge amount of work that goes on behind the scenes that people would imagine, obviously, when they see a castle in the middle of the desert, uh, you know, it doesn't just pop up overnight. And it's been a magical experience for so many people. And if anybody's listening to this podcast that maybe hasn't camped with Celtic Chaos, but has had some wonderful experiences in that castle, please do share them wherever you're listening to to this podcast. Um, so in total, how many burns have you been to so far? I've been to 10, 10 consecutively. So from 2010 to 2020. Um, and this year will be my 11th burn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One other thing that John Walsh mentioned was that Celtic Chaos, we were a wee bit of a victim in our own success because once the Burning Man organization got wind of how effective Natasha was and good at organizing the Celtic Chaos camp, <laughs> that they effectively poached you from us. So that was a bit of a tough time for Celtic Chaos, he said, to go oh, out and without Natasha. <laughs> but he said, thankfully, now you are back at the at the helm or back at the wheel again. Uh, so the the Celtic Chaos Caravan can trundle on again. But talk to me a bit about your progression from Celtic Chaos and being part of that to then going to working for the organization. Yeah. So in 2017, is that right? Yeah. 20 or no, sorry, 2018. My apologies. Uh, 2018, I was hired full time by Burning Man as a coordinator. Um, given my experience, you know, running Celtic Chaos, a huge theme camp of 200 people, um, I was actually hired um, by the organization primarily to work on First Camp, which is a camp of similar size and is given by the name, one of the first camps that ever existed on the playa. Um, it houses many Burning Man staff, um, founders, uh, board of directors, um, and lots of cultural collaborators from all around the world. So in some ways, it's kind of similar to Celtic Chaos, minus the chaos, mind you. Um, so I, I did that <laughs> as my full-time job. <laughs> did that for my full-time job um, for two years, and I loved every minute of it. I spent about a month on Playa each time. Um, I was almost not going to get hired by the organization, and the reason being is because they could tell how passionate I was by Celtic Chaos and they came up so many times in interview are you really prepared to give up your camp are you mm -hmm. really you know prepared to take you know a back seat and you know be more you know be you know do your job and 
do first camp and um and then my job was you know full time i had other responsibilities throughout the year um you know as my job as as coordinator um working in the office of the ceo so it was you know there was a lot involved um so i i said yes you know uh, it's time for me to, you know it's it's my progression it's my evolution um i was ready to kind of grow beyond celtic chaos secretly <laughs> i wasn't going to give it up completely and so um uh, that was the year that i think i really learned delegation and i created many of the teams that exist today in celtic chaos um so i give you know i really wanted other people to step up into leadership roles um so you know we created the bar team the kitchen team you know kudos to anya was already in an incredible um set up and very well organized um we had other you know radical participation team green team camp safely team um uh welcome home team you know lots of 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 uh groups of people that were now stepping into leadership roles and planning for Celtic chaos long before we got to the playa and uh took so much off my plate uh the one team i kind of didn't mention there which is was really really instrumental because a lot of what i do is behind the scenes administration and um, so the finding of our admin and communications team which you're now part of joe <laughs> thank yes. you they have been great um you know um taken over you know all of our social media um our camp communications um sharky who has been at the helm since the beginning um is always our liaison to burning man and you know takes care of all the applications that we have to submit um for thing camp placement for fire for the kitchen everything um so yeah delegation that was that was key for me um kept in the background kept in a kind of advisory role and it was fun because i was actually doing a lot of what i was doing for celtic chaos i was doing in parallel for first camp because there's a lot of similarities and you're you know it's the same project on the same timeline um so i was kind of doing double duty of it <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't really ever prepared to truly give up your camp not um, really not really but you know this is 11 years um of going to burning man uh, this year um i do think it is my last year um and that's because you know for me you know burning man isn't it's not a place um it's much more than that um for me like burning man is it's a global community and a global um culture a cultural movement in fact um that's guided by you know the 10 principles um for anyone that doesn't you know is not familiar with them I encourage you to look them up on the burning man website there's a few that have really resonated with me um over the years um which is why you know I've kept going back to burning man uh the first like leave no trace which is the idea of us being stewards of the land that we're on um you know it's um not leaving rubbish behind it's not leaving you know your tent behind you often see that at many festivals yeah um gifting i you know that's something that really struck me I mentioned in my first burn um people are giving to you without the expectation of return um and that's really powerful that means no exchange of money um it's not barter either it's not an exchange um you know people gift in many different ways a burning man this necklace I'm wearing I don't know if you can see it is a burning man gift gorgeous um, yeah but gifting doesn't have to be something physical you know um helping someone or paying a compliment is a gift um yeah. and then I touched on the you know um no money aspect that's about the principle of decommodification um 
which is so refreshing. Yeah. And people would be disappointed if I didn't say my famous line, which is money doesn't exist at Burning Man. (laughs) (laughs) And neither does ice and coffee. That's the only thing. Yeah. And I heard they're actually getting away. They're doing away with the coffee seals this year. So we're down to just ice. That's the only thing you can purchase on planet. Nice. Yeah. Um, Other principles, immediacy, which is kind of like showing up, uh, being present, being in the here and now. Um, it's not you know watching your favorite band through a cell phone lens a lot of people do that at concerts or other festivals it's you know really being present um and one of the key tenants that celtic chaos is built on is the idea of participation for no spectators everyone gets stuck in everyone gets involved and that is how the entire burning man event in black rock city uh functions it's everyone is a participant everyone is creating the event together everyone is part of it uh, there's no mm-hmm. sort of, you know, official organizer or uh, performer um, as such. Everyone is a performer in their own way, if you know what I mean. And um, the performers all gift their services as well. So you will have, you know, top artists in every genre, uh, in every art form from all around the world. And their gift is their performance, which is so beautiful. And they can perform maybe four or five, six times throughout the week across the playa. But that's their gift. Some people have building skills. People are compassionate and caring. And maybe they're just a listening ear or a hug on the way by. And, um, you know, you go your first year and you don't really understand the whole idea of it. I certainly was very green. And when I come back and I when I'm telling speaking to friends about Burning Man, they'll say, oh yeah, it's barter. And I'm like, no, it's not barter. Mm-mm. It's not give to get. You don't trade. It's not yeah. like I give you this and you give me that. It's give just for the simple joy of giving. Yeah. And that's that's way more powerful, I think, because people are gifted in all different directions. So it has sort of a multiplying effect, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the other thing just about the Burning Man culture, you know, I, I said it's not a, a place. I also just want to say that you know, Burning Man, I don't think it's not a festival either. Um, no. When people put people maybe put it in the same in, you know, categorizing it, they might put it in the same uh, category as Coachella or Oxygen or, you know, whatever, Glastonbury. But, you know, it is really it's different not. because it's guided by 10 principles. Um, and the Burning Man event in Black Rock City, you know, it's the biggest burn. Um, people often, you know, call it the big burn. Um, and I know it's a lot of what this podcast is going to focus on too, but I think it's really important to um, point out that it's not the only Burning Man event. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have, there is a hundred, almost a hundred regional events all around the world um, mm-hmm. that are guided by the 10 principles. Um, so if there's people that are listening that maybe can't make it out to, um, to Nevada, to Black Rock City, uh, for whatever reason, you know, there is burns all over the world that you can go to. Um, there's Africa burn, there's mid burn in, in Israel. Um, and in fact, I heard that there's a burn in the west of Ireland in County Mayo being mm-hmm. organized by Celtic Chaos. So um, there certainly is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Burning Man really is. It's, you know, it's a culture. Uh, I don't think it's defined by a place. I think you can actually create your own Burning Man. Um, and so that's kind of, after 11 years of going, that's kind of the direction that I'm um, I'm taking. I'm taking Burning Man out in the world. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, we all do I, after we leave, you know, Burning Man, it's just, it, it affects you in such a profound way and that you do live by those principles of like, even, you know, your litter, Whereas maybe before you might be a little bit nonchalant about like a little bit of this or a little bit of that, you come out of there and it just sticks with you. Like, no, you have to respect the land. Quick question for you, Natasha. 
of the regional burns, I'm sure you've been to a few, but what's sort of, you know, the ones that you're eyeing up most that you would like to hit up uh, when you get the chance? Yeah, well, I had tickets to Loveburn in Miami um, and I was supposed to go. And sadly, that was the time that Crow passed away. So I never actually got to go there. And I was uh, supposed to go with uh, Kelly Pierce um, and we were looking forward to that. So um, that's definitely still on my list. Um, you know, being at a burn in Ireland cannot think of anything more special um, given the roots, you know, of Celtic chaos um, and just how much our community has flourished over there. There's been so many Irish people that have returned home. You're one of those people, um, others that have been in Australia. And so I'm really seeing that Burning Man community in Ireland really starting to, to flourish and grow arms and legs. And um, Celtic Chaos, um, a lot of our, our community members are really the driving force behind that. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's another one. Africa Burn would be super special as well. Um, a lot involved in preparation, I think, to go to that. Um, a few of the girls were looking into, into that. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, you don't you don't have to even go to a regional burn. I have, you know, created created some of my own little Burning Man events. You can do that in your backyard, um, you know, use the principles as a, as a guideline and, um, you know, it can be equally as good. Yeah. And the, the Burning Man community here in Ireland is very, very, very strong, both with people that have moved home uh, in the recent years with COVID. And then we've also linked up with another Burning Man community, the Mayo Burn, which we started like two years ago. I mean, there was 12, 14 of us went out and last year, maybe like 50 this year, it's going to be even bigger. And the location is out of this world. It's breathtakingly spectacular. So much yeah. so that it would move you to tears. It's beautiful. So that's uh, <laughs> that's something to really, really look forward to. Yeah, um, I saw the pictures. It looked, it looked really cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that'll be a nice little teaser before the big event night at the end of August. Um, and I think you've given, like, people that haven't been to Burning Man, you've given them a really good description of what it is. Um, but could you, for some of our listeners, maybe that haven't been, that are planning to go, uh, what would be your top tips? Because I know you went green. I went incredibly green. I didn't even know what Moop was. I was reading the mm -hmm. pamphlet going in and I said to Jen Stallard, what's Moop? And she laughed. She was <laughs> like, oh, I love the fact that you're so new. And I just, there was so much I didn't, I didn't know. What would be the top couple of tips that you would give them for their first burn? Right. Well, first of all, um, let me just explain a few things about the Burning Man event. It is a city of 70 to 80,000 people. So first of all, newbies, you need to grasp that scale. Um, I think it's the third largest city in the state of Nevada for that one week only. It wow. has everything from, you know, post office, airport, hundreds of theme camps. Um, Celtic Chaos is obviously one of those. Um, we've got our cars. Um, we have a DMV, a Department of Mutant Vehicles. Um, so it's just a hive of activity. Um, the size of Burning Man has been sort of equated to almost to the size of the city of San Francisco. Um, so again, just given you that sense of uh, scale, bicycle is a great way of getting around. Um, or if you can, you know, hop a lift on, a, on an art car, that's always fun too. Um, you know, people say prepare for Burning Man. I agree with that completely. You know, make sure that you have you bring everything that you need to survive in a really inhospitable environment. Um, that's like solid um, shelter or housing, somewhere to sleep um, and make sure that you have enough water um, to stay hydrated. Electrolytes is always good as well. But then going back to my first burn when I was completely green, naive and 
unprepared. There's something really special about that too. So maybe don't over-research, leave um, some things to the element of surprise. Um, the other thing I will give a plug for is, you know, staying at a, a, a theme camp like Celtic Chaos. Um, it does sort of ease you in uh, to the Burning Man experience a little more gently. Uh, camps tend to provide some, you know, amenities which are helpful. At Celtic Chaos, we provide like two hearty meals a day, uh, breakfast and dinner, and we've got showers, we've got a bar. Most importantly, we have a community of people mm -hmm. that are looking out for you. I think that's something that's really special about Celtic Chaos. We're a family. Um, so we're always looking out for people's well-being and making sure that they're doing okay. They have what they need. Um, so, you know, I think camp can be really um, helpful in that regard. And then just go into it with um, really with an open mind. Um, you know, there it's it's going to be like something you've never experienced before. You are definitely going to be out of your comfort zone at times. Um, you're definitely going to break down as well. It's definitely a roller coaster kind of journey that you're on. Um, yeah. You know, you can't just be buzzing and happy and, um, you know, full of the joys of spring every single day. There'll be times when you're exhausted, times when you're tired. Um, and times, times when, you when you just want to leave. Like that yeah, happens to me every exactly. year. Like, just get me out of here. And it, I get over it and I get through it. But it's happened now. It's, it's a bit of a theme where you're just like, oh, it's too much. So it's just knowing that that will come and knowing mm -hmm. that it's just a hurdle that you can get over and knowing that, you know, you've got your friends around you. And uh, when you see people that are going through that thing that you know that you've been through, that you can just like pull them through. And what like, I think Evelyn, one, we had, there was a dust storm and the dust storm had ripped through my tent and I just <laughs> didn't have it in me to clean it out. And Ev, one of our very good friends just went, I've got it. I'll do it. And she went in <laughs> and she de-dusted and cleaned my whole tent. And I was like, thank you so much. Wow. You have no idea how much that, much that means. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of impossible when the dust storm comes through. There's, yeah, the cleanup is, is impossible. Yeah, that'll break you down for sure. Um, but, you know, um, I think that's what make, makes Burning Man special as well. It's those highs and the lows and the juxtaposition of both of them. Um, mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And when you do have those lows and you've got them juxtaposed with some of the highest highs you've ever felt, like, as I said previously to people, like it's the first time I ever felt what it is to be truly free in my life. And that realization is astounding. Like this is true freedom. This is heaven on earth. This is beautiful. But then if you have like a weaker moment or a lower moment, um, you can see that it is transient, that it will pass. You know, yeah. nothing is permanent. And even with the city, a city of 90,000 people the size of San Francisco is transient as well because it's there for one week and it's mm -hmm. completely dismantled and we leave no trace. So just knowing to ride that, ride that wave and embrace the chaos. Yeah, so fitting. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's where I think the growth comes is whenever yeah. you do have those harder moments and you get through them. Um, we've had some really hard moments at Celtic Chaos as well over the years, um, as I call them, shit show moments, um, mm -hmm. you know, the early years, <laughs> which has been really trying. You know, we've had um, during the build, uh, we had rain one year and the castle filled up with water um, oh. and the event was about to start. And it was a nightmare. I remember 
getting blisters in my hand for like sweeping water because we had tarps in, in the center of the castle. Uh, uh -huh. The walls falling down at one point. I remember going to the porta potty one morning and then shouting, "Crow the castle!" <laughs> yeah, one of the uh, one of the walls had completely toppled in the wind overnight. <laughs> oh God! Thankfully, yeah. nobody was uh, didn't fall on anybody at the time because the castle grew year on year as well. Like you know, in terms of the structure, so it got bigger and bigger. Um, but you know, when you have those storms, you're in the elements, there's no shelter from anything. And you have to remember you're so many thousands of miles above sea level. You're in a hostile environment. You're in a desert at the bottom of an ancient lake bed. That's true. But it's a really special environment as well. Uh, the sunrise, the sunset on the playa is absolutely spectacular. And it's one of the reasons why I have fallen in love with the desert um, is from being there. Uh, some of those moments, even on the bill before the event has started, having a cup of berries tea, uh, just looking out onto that vastness um, of the playa is just, yeah, really, really magical. There's no words that you can put into it. I've never seen a sunrise or a sunset like it, especially with the sunset, the way that the, uh, the it lingers for a long time, all of those colours yeah. in the sky. It's never the same two nights in a row. And it's like purple, pink, orange and it's just you feel like you're part of that part of that and it's gorgeous and then the sun goes down and uh party begins <laughs> that's it there's definitely a change of energy then once that all happens um for sure somebody told me that it was actually yourself that came up with the idea for both the Enchanted Kingdom and the mobile hot toddy bar. Now, I seen you in the last burn in 2019, uh, right out with that mobile hot toddy bar with determination and gusto. <laughs> so when you go into Deep Playa, for anybody listening that hasn't been, you've got the city, which goes in a semicircular uh, fashion. And then you've got the open playa out there. And that leads up to the limits of the city, which is the trash fence. So you're you're out there, you're deep, you're far from civilization, let's call it. And when somebody rocks up uh, dishing out hot toddies or hot whiskies, like it, people must be so appreciative of that. Yeah. So that was my gift. I decided I, I wanted to do some sort of gift in uh, 2019 um, at the event. Something just, you know, fun for me to do. Um, it's always difficult to plan something, you know, when I was working at the event and uh, so busy on the lead up. But I came up with, with the idea of doing um, a mobile hot toddy bar at the trash fence. And so got a huge, you know, burger, filled it with hot water, loads of uh, Jemison whiskey, set up my... Um, uh, you know, my lemon and honey and all, all of that, uh, cloves, the works. And we um, cycled and drove. Luckily, I had uh, a golf cart as part of my job. Uh, so drove that to the trash fence, which is, as you said, the outer limits of the city. And um, we had these kind of like UV lights that just said, you know, hot toddy bar. And so nice. people would be riding around in the middle of the night. I think it was like 3 a.m. when we actually started and, you know, they could see the faint, like, glimmer of the LED light. Um, and I, I'm sure some of them were thinking, are we hallucinating? Is this actually like a little <laughs> bar that's here? Um, and so we served hot toddies um, and it was great fun. Um, and it actually uh, evolved. Um, Tommy Pierce had a can of cheese whiz. I don't know if you know what that is, but in America, it's like the it's sprayable like the, cheese. The sprayable cheese is pretty rank. Uh, I don't even know if there's like <laughs> cheese in it, but it's some <laughs> sort of mixture that they, they call cheese. And you can like squirt it onto a cracker, uh, you know, good if you're camping or something like that. 
But anyway, the hot toddy bar ended up um, having like cheese whiz uh, shots served <laughs> with the hot toddies. So people were like drinking the whiskey and then like getting cheese squirted in their mouth. And, you know, three o'clock in the morning when people are kind of hungry, um, they were just loving it. <laughs> yeah. And to give people an idea, you get one day off during the week of Burning Man. Isn't that right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You work all year round and then on Playa. I go in um, maybe the first to second week in August and would stay there through to that um, end of that first week in September, um, you know, after takedown and everything has happened. So it was and you have one pretty day much off. a month. One day off. Yeah, it was really exhausting. And they're definitely, you know, 10, 10 hour days that you're doing um, as part of my job. You know, I was hosting people for breakfast, um, you know, then working on a theme camp is essentially like running a hotel. Um, you know, you're checking guests in, um, you know, setting up housing. Um, uh, you know, it's just round the clock, basically. Um, and the evenings I would get off and uh, would always pay a visit to Celtic Chaos. Um when I was off duty, you know, but always carrying a radio, mind you, so I could be called at any moment. To go back this year now where, I mean, you're not entirely going to be off duty, but I think working like chaos will feel a little bit more off duty uh, compared yeah, to being full time. Sure. Are you excited for this? I am. I'm kind of nervous because um, I haven't actually been at Celtic Chaos for the last couple of years. Um, this is the first year without, without Crow. That's going to be really difficult. Uh, it's going to be strange just because my entire Burning Man journey has had him in it and he's always had such a big presence. Uh, so I'm a little nervous, but I'm enthusiastic. And as I said, I, I have kind of decided that this is the last one that I'm going to visit at, at Black Rock City. Um, I'm going to honor my friends. That's the primary purpose of my burn this year. Um, and, um, yeah. And then it's really about just seeing Celtic, Celtic chaos through to the next evolution of the camp. Um, you know, there has been other people stepping up into leadership roles. Um, I want to continue to step back and let those people grow and move into the forefront. Um, they've been doing an incredible job. Um, uh, you know, to name a few, John Walsh, Dahi, uh, Willie Kerr, um, and, you know, so many others, um, uh, Sham for everything that he's doing in Ireland. Um, and then TJ Abram, who we met in 2017 and has just brought just incredible energy and enthusiasm to, to the camp. Um, so I'm just so grateful to have, to have all those fresh faces, new blood, new energy, um, at the helm. So mm -hmm. makes me feel yeah. good. Yeah, that it's going to be in safe hands. And um, the passing of Crow was a big loss to the world, to his mm -hmm. friends, to his family, to Celtic Chaos. And to go back this year, well, to put it this way, as a very close friend to Crow's, you feel his absence every single day. But there's going to be nowhere more so that it's going to be evident than when you step foot on that dust and you're in Celtic Chaos. And it's really going to hit home. And mm -hmm. it's such a fitting tribute to him to carry the torch of something that you both and so many people were so passionate about, but as a founding member to honor him in that way, you know, it's going For to be sure. very special. It is indeed. Um, you know, you say I, I feel his absence all the time. I do um, it, because he, he wasn't just, you know, a collaborator um, and, a, you know, a partner in chaos. Um, he was such a close friend and he was actually my neighbor as well. You know, I'm sitting here and his house is literally, you know, just a few doors down. 
so, you know, walking past his house every day is, is challenging. Um, today is actually a, quite an important day as well because, um, you know, Crow passed in 2020 um, at the very start in February. And, you know, his remains were taken home to Ireland and he was cremated. Um, and his buddy Barry wanted um, to um, redo the journey that Crow did to America, which was um, he left Ireland and went to New York. And so uh, Crow's ashes actually went to New York. Um, today, they're actually coming to San Francisco. So I'm meeting his good friend, Barry. Um, oh. His remains are going to be with me um, until his lovely partner, Michelle White, gets here from Australia. And then we're going to take those remains to the temple of Burning Man um, and lay them to rest. Wow, I've got goosebumps. Such yeah. a fitting day to be recording this. Yeah, it is. It's super special. You know, um, you know, Crow has made such an impact on all of us. Um, you know, he had that ability to inspire people, um, which is, you know, the reason that we have built a global community. Um, he always made time for people. Um, it didn't matter who you were, you know, Hotshot DJ or Joe Soap. He treated everyone the same, the same and kind of just, yeah, um, lit up a cigarette and kind of had the crack with them. Um, you know, and he had that ability to kind of like dream big and was always full of ideas for Celtic Chaos. Um, he always like the, the sound system that we have today is definitely um, a, a result of Crow. Um, the bigger the sound, the better, um, you know. Bigger, um, better, lighter. That's totally him. Yeah. Um, the great thing is in Celtic Chaos, he found that thing that really made him happy and, you know, it put a... a a jig in his step and that was really contagious i think everyone felt that from him that, oh for sure um, yeah and we're going to do him so proud this year for sure for sure yeah crow was truly a special human being for the limited years that i've known him uh, i can certainly say that hand on heart but you haven't known him for such a long time and being such a close friend and working so closely in celtic chaos what are some of the things that you've learned from him and that you will treasure and take with you forever uh there's so many things show absolutely so many things um that's something i've really thought about since um since he passed away uh he had such an impact on me i really feel like i'm a better person for having known him um the way he lived in the moment, um, his spontaneity, um, I think that that was really special. Um, sometimes time didn't exist with Crow. Uh, he definitely embodied that principle of immediacy, uh, just kind of being in the here and now and showing up and uh, kind of being present and making time for people. Didn't matter kind of what he had going on in his day. Like if he ran into you on the street, like he's stopping, he's waving, he's he's having the crack, you know. Um, his generosity of spirit as well, I think, um, it was second to none. And I think that almost was heightened after he went to Burning Man. Uh, he definitely was always a generous person, but that idea of gifting. I've seen Crow like go to Hate Street, buy the most gorgeous like steampunk jacket, probably cost him three or four hundred dollars. And someone has done a good gesture for him and he's literally given the coat off his back to the person. And I was always given out, have you paid $400 for that? <laughs> uh, but that's the way Crow was, uh, you know, it didn't matter. Um, you know, he, he was just so, so generous, um, both with his time. And uh, I can also remember a really funny story I have to share. We had a Celtic Chaos sort of after party. It was in one of the very early years. 
um, went on to probably like three, four in the morning. And afterwards, everyone went back to my house uh, for afters. And we were all having, all having drinks and stuff. Um, the night turned into morning. We're all still there. And I think Crow decided, you know, he was tired. He was going to go home. And of course, he only lived a few doors up. So we said our goodbyes and he headed off. Um, maybe about 15, 20 minutes later, the front door went and this arm just like reached in. And then all we just smelled was like the smell of bacon. And this plastic bag was on the floor and it must have had like 20 Irish breakfast sandwiches. Wow. Um, yeah. And then the door just closed. And that was it. And we were like, Crow, is that you? Is that you? That's what a gift. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Irish breakfast sandwiches for everyone. Um, Crow didn't take life too seriously. Uh, he was always up to pranks, loved silliness, loved uh, getting a laugh. Um, yeah, Symbiosis Festival. I remember he had this camo suit um, and he thought it was hilarious that he camouflaged perfectly with the desert. So we got a fire extinguisher, <laughs> a fire, fire extinguisher and was behind, like camouflaged in a bush. And so everyone that was like heading into the festival, you know, all revved up and ready to go. He would like, um, you know, shoot them with the fire extinguisher <laughs> and tear the life out of them. <laughs> um, so yeah, not taking life too seriously. Um, yeah. On a more sentimental note, um, the one thing that I'll definitely take away from Crow is to remember to tell people how much you love them and how much they mean to you because you know you never know when it's going to be your last time having a drink with them at the bar mm -hmm. and you're but never crow, going to doubt what he felt for you yeah for sure crow definitely wore his heart on his sleeve you know um i've talked to john don gentry many times and you know he said that there was never a time that he didn't say i fucking love you or um you know uh, and actually the last night that I was with him, you know, he gave me a hug and, and said the same to me. We had uh, just done uh, a Celtic Chaos fundraiser and, you know, he thanked me and, and told me that. So I'm going to take that away with me. That's definitely something that I'm going to do more often is not hold back. Tell people how much uh, they mean to you and how special they are, because, you know, big lesson. we don't know. Yeah. Life is precious. Life mm -hmm. is precious. And I think then the other one I uh, would be remiss if I didn't mention is party harder. That is uh, <laughs> kind of Crow's catchphrase. Um, and uh, it's it's not about sort of, you know, getting reckless. Uh, I, I don't think that's what he means by party harder. It's giving it it's, all. It's, it is giving it all. It's um, making the most of it. Um, yeah. D don't do things by half. Um, you know, life is meant to be enjoyed. Um, mm -hmm. So... Yeah, the yeah. very first time I met him was on the dance floor in Celtic Chaos. And we just had this connection because I like to rave hard. Like, do you know what I mean? I don't leave anything. <laughs> I don't leave anything uh, on the dance floor, do you know, and it just I love the music. We just had that bond over having that same thing. And Party Harder is like being in the moment, being fully embodied in that moment and giving it all and yeah. that also transpires over to the takedown it's takedown hard you know yeah <laughs> it's not for the faint heart at the takedown and you know it trans it transferred into every area of his life that's so true joe well said yeah mm -hmm. yeah i want to cast your mind back to that very first burn in 2010 and uh i'm always interested to know can you recall the very first thing that you saw when you got on playa that first thing that made you go wow yeah, that, that actually really sticks out in my mind. 
so my first burn, we were camped over at like 6.30, I think, and I, so like right out in the sticks, didn't have a camp, just like pulled up, find a spot. And I remember that first moment, um, we were walking down 6.30 and we reached Esplanade and you're looking at the playa. And for me, it was almost like a huge, big, like merry-go-round is what it felt like. Because, you know, so many people on bikes and there was our cars and everything was sort of in movement. And there was so much to see, so much kind of stimulation. And it sort of felt like that, like a merry-go-round. Uh, and we got community bikes and like we jumped on them and cycled out onto the playa. And you've talked about this sense of feeling free on and inhibited Um yeah, that's that's kind of that rush, um, the adrenaline, um, and yeah, that just stimulation of like the art, um, the vastness, you know, the city itself, uh, just really incredible, uh, breathtaking, definitely. Mm-hmm. And then you have the temple as well, which is also another breathtaking experience. And the temple was something that was introduced later in Burning Man. Uh, It wasn't something there from the very start. And I suppose it was an evolution in terms of as the founding members from first camp you know, went on in years, the natural uh, progression is that they've lost people that they've loved and they wanted to build a place where they could honour those people. And now it's an absolute mecca, uh, a place of worship for every single denomination and indeed non-denomination for people on the playa. And for me, Burning Man wouldn't be the same without it. Uh, And obviously with the temple this year, having Crow's Ashes there and having a memorial for him is going to be super special. But do you what do you recall from being in the temple? What was your experience? Um, you know, Joe, if I'm completely honest with you, I don't know if you know this, but I have avoided the temple a lot over know. my time at Burning Man. Yeah. Um, and 2019 was one of the first times that I really spent any time in it. Um, it's always been a hard place for me. Um, I almost, uh, I'm an empath, so um, I feel what other people are feeling. And so it can be really emotionally heavy for me because I take on the feelings of all the people there and um yeah and I guess sometimes the burning man you know you're you're seeking that uh high or that you know happiness and there's been times where I haven't wanted to confront um that heaviness of the temple and the sorrow the other thing as well is um you know I've lost people um but I've almost felt like I haven't had significant enough loss that I'm sort of even worthy of the temple, if you know what I mean. I know that sounds strange, but I kind of did feel unworthy of it as well, like um, that this is a place other people need this more than me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have have avoided, it's really special. I've always admired the design of it. David Best does incredible, incredible job. And Crow has worked on on the temple as well in uh, 2011, along with Malcolm Bruce and Harriet Bruce. Um, and many others, and it's it's absolutely breathtaking and beautiful. Um, but I guess leaving a tribute in the temple and going there and being kind of present and acknowledging your loss, that's something that I haven't done. And this is going to be the first year that I do that. Um, it's very interesting that you say, like, I don't feel worthy of being there because people have more significant losses. And I suppose that speaks to A, the generosity in you and B, the empath in you, Um, but they have it worse. Um, And it's one thing that I've learned over the years is that 
every loss is significant to the person and there's always going to be people with more significant losses and it's about honoring that but it's going to be i suppose interesting for you going back this year after having such a significant loss in your life and um yeah. you know i'll certainly there be with you by your side as you were for me 100 you know it's good that we have the temple because there's something really healing about it um mm -hmm. you know burying tragedy and burying grief um doesn't do anyone any good you know but being there with your friends, confronting it and being there in the moment, um, you know, is really uh, cathartic and, and healing. Um, Kelly Pierce actually says, you know, that I went into the temple. She has been coaching me, actually, because um, Kelly goes every year and does a tribute for her brother, Charlie, who passed away. And she's always asked me to come in and see where she's, you know, put up her dedication to Charlie. And I've done that much. And then last uh, last year at Burning Man, which was, uh, you know, 2019, you know, I spent some time at the temple there with you. So it's sort of been a gradual progression. And Kelly has said to me, you know, that it was maybe training me for this for this moment. We're going to do a really special procession from Celtic Chaos out to the temple. Um, wow. It is going to be sad, but it's it's going to be beautiful at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, it can be heartbreaking and beautiful at the same time. And that's about duality, allowing both um, because Crow would have been so honoured to have that procession and in his honour, the fact that we can go and do that, but also shake it off. And I don't mean shake it off to disregard it, but he would want us then to go out and actually celebrate uh, sure. and, and not be sad um, and to carry on his legacy. Yeah. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. Mm -hmm. And in terms of then after the burn, you're fortunate enough to live in San Francisco. So there's a huge Burning Man community there. Uh, and decompression is pretty much essential to Burning Man. I wouldn't advise anybody going out there for the first time to leave and go straight back into normal life. If you have the time and resources, it's an incremental, gradual reintroduction into normal life. How do you decompress after the burn? Yeah, that's a good question. Re-entry can be a struggle. Um, in my early years, it always involved a stop at Reno and, you know, a few nights at the Grand Sierra and, uh, you know, relaxing by the pool. Um, I, for me as well, re-entry, I think it starts with some self-care. So I try not to, you know, as the event goes on and um, particularly the Sunday night, I try to go a little easier, make sure that I get a good night's sleep for takedown. Um, you know, try and make that re-entry a little bit easier by taking care of myself. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, making sure that you have a few days to adjust when you come back. Um, I've also found when I've been part of a theme camp and been around so many people for a week, um, going back to your regular life and you're by yourself and it can feel kind of strange and almost jarring or I don't know, you kind of feel really lonely. Um, so I always make plans um, that week to kind of meet up with the people that are still in town from the burn, have dinners with friends, um, you know, continue to be around people um, that have experienced the same thing as you, share memories, uh, highlights, funny moments, uh, low moments, all of the above. So that makes re-entry a little easier. So definitely a few days off work, uh, take it easy on yourself and, you know, stay engaged with people. Yeah, for sure. I think whenever I first had my first burn and I re-entered normal life, got my flight home, went into work that first day, I actually felt like I was in captivity. 
<laughs> I felt like I, this is what a caged animal must feel like to go from feeling the freest I'd ever felt to sitting at a desk. It was it was an eye opener to like how my life needs to change and that I need to bring that freedom into my everyday life because I wasn't built for that. I don't think any of us, any of us were. And Celtic Chaos definitely has a special family in that, you know, no matter what. Well, one thing that I want to uh, introduces that Celtic Chaos is a global community and we have a very That's heavy true. Irish contingent. So mm-hmm. no matter what pocket of the world that you're going to, fortunately, you will hopefully have a couple of other people there with you, whether it's San Francisco, LA, um, Ireland, Australia, all over the world. And we become like family. So it is important to stay connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but touching on Celtic Chaos, I mean, you're, you've got an inside scoop because you have worked for the organization uh, full time all year round. Celtic Chaos, in my mind, and a lot of people's hearts and minds, is something very special about it. What would you put that down to? Can you put your finger on it? Um, you know, I've been exploring that uh, for a while. Um, and I've, I think I've talked as well about the idea that there's no entry requirement to Celtic Chaos. You know, we kind of accept everyone. You just, if you're attracted to the vibe of crazy Irish people, you're in, um, you know, so there isn't really any sign-up requirement for Celtic Chaos. We don't make you jump through any hoops or um, we don't assess you to determine whether you're in the camp or not. Everyone is welcome. So we definitely celebrate radical inclusivity. Um, but in terms of our special sauce and like kind of what makes us unique, um, I actually got some insight talking to a son day. Um, and as many of the listeners might know, Asun Lade is an incredible DJ. Um, he's been part of Celtic Chaos since the very beginning. Um, he has, he's always played after burn night. He always does a great set and that's kind of like a Celtic Chaos tradition. Um, but in 2017, I plucked up the courage to ask him why on earth he camps with Celtic Chaos. Like, why is he with us? Because in my mind, he's like a hotshot DJ and he could be with like a millionaire camp or cooler people than us. Like, why is he with us? And what he said to me kind of struck a chord with me. And he said, um, there's no ego at Celtic Chaos. And he was like, you guys are my family. Um, you're, it's really down to earth. There isn't anyone with ego or anyone that's trying to make a name for themselves. You know, everyone just treats everyone equally. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that kind of idea or that vibe um, is what he likes. Funnily, I met him, uh, he was playing in Sydney um, and it was after Crow passed. And I didn't realise, uh, I knew that he played at Celtic Chaos and was, you know, close with Crow, but I didn't realise that he had camped with us before and that he's oh, seen yeah. us as his family. But um, it was after Crow had passed and you know those really cool brown leather embossed bracelets that we had in 2019? Yeah. Yeah. Um, whilst he was on the decks, I took mine off and I gave it to him oh, uh, nice. so that he could have it. So hopefully we'll get him on the podcast. I'd love to hear some of his stories from Celtic Chaos over the years and what his take is on it. Yeah, he would be an incredible guest for you. Yeah, he's been, he has been part of Celtic Chaos since even before Celtic Chaos. So he's been, as Billy was involved in the Paddy Mirage, and as we um, were involved in Shamrock City, which was back in 2011, I think. Um, Osuna Day has always been with the Irish on the playa. So, um, yeah, I always find that kind of surprising. But, you know, the way he put it, like, we're salt to the earth. 
You know, there isn't any millionaire back in it, backers at Celtic Chaos. There's no um, turnkey environment either. No, it's not plug and play. we're definitely not plug and play either. We're just a bunch of Irish Egypts, I think, having a bit of crack in the desert. That's that's it. And that's uh, it in a nutshell, basically. It is. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what makes us special. So. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and to speak so into I, that, you know, I think about Irish people like um, it's not all about the ego and the money uh, in Ireland. Your currency is your crack. And for international listeners, listeners, crack is the Irish word for fun and enjoyment. Yeah. So yeah. it's how good a fun you are, how good a crack you are. And that doesn't mean being an extrovert and like high octane. It's like, how are you pitching in, being part of the team, having a laugh, laughing at yourself, being able to laugh with people when they need picked up. And that's really what's important to us. Yeah, for sure. And I think just being authentic, you know, I think authenticity is definitely a, a big value of Celtic Chaos, um, you know, since the beginning. And I think the generosity aspect of it as well, because it's said of the Irish that we would give you the shirt off our back. Um, and in terms of what we try to give to people in terms of their experience and the drinks that we give at the bar, it's the best that we can do. And indeed, what Carmel O'Brien said about yourself is like the generosity and gorgeousness and the sharing of your home that she experienced. Um, she shared a story with me that one time she left you a message or a voice note and said that she was going to make a surprise trip to come and visit you and the voice note that you sent back to her the absolute joy in your voice that she could hear if you're just opening your home last minute to somebody um and I think the generosity that we have trickles down through the camp and through anybody that comes in well Carmel O'Brien is an absolute legend and yeah she came to visit in in the middle of 2020 um uh, Halloween and she came out to the my house in Joshua Tree um, so she made the trek from Canada, which was incredible. Um, but yeah, I just love that girl. Um, when she shows up, yeah, it's just special. Could you pick out maybe some of your most memorable moments in Celtic Chaos? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I, you know, the memorable moments are actually a lot of the time um, when things go wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's in those moments that, uh, you know, you really do, you learn a lot. In those early years, we were, you know, completely unprepared. Um, um, yeah, we were we were beginners at organizing a theme camp. I think in 2013, we were so preoccupied with building a castle that we forgot about <clears throat> we're going to be hosting a camp throughout the whole week of Burning Man. We were so focused on getting the castle built that we thought the castle was just going to run itself. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I, I guess one of the a couple of fun memories from uh, those first years, um, we organized Paddy's Day on the Playa, which is mm-hmm. a, an event that we still do. We didn't do it for many years because we were scarred from the first year. Um, so we built the castle and the castle was open like 24 hours. It wasn't like, you know, we were daytime, nighttime. It was always packed. The bar was, um, you know, serving drinks round the clock. Um, and we organized this party Day on the Playa event for the Wednesday. But by the time Wednesday came, we were completely burnt out, like everyone involved. And um, Wednesday morning we woke up, there was no ice. The castle was a mess because it was a rager the night before. And everyone on the committee decided to take a day off, but didn't tell each other. <laughs> so you had like one group, which I was involved with, um, with, with Mal and Harriet and stuff. We decided to go to the Mojito Bar and like just run away. 
And then there was like Sharky and Louise and Emer and their friend, the attorney. And then they got pretty crazy somewhere else. And they didn't show up either. Uh, and then there was another group uh, with Marty and stuff that went to Duck Pond and District and they didn't show up either. So there was like two people left, Emma Lynch and Karen Murta, <laughs> that ended up hosting Paddy's Day on the playa. And at one point, I think Emma was crying. Um, but the next day, Billy had like a really serious uh, talk in with us. He called everyone for a really important meeting. Um, and he was like, you know, Billy doesn't shout, but he was effing and blinding. And uh, oh, he must you know, have been annoyed. He's not a man he to was shout. annoyed. Yeah, he was annoyed. So that was that was a fun moment. Um, well, we learned a lot, let's just say, from from uh, our mischief that year. And what day is uh, what day is Paddy's Day this year? Is it going to be Wednesday or Thursday? Do we have that set I yet? I think it might be Thursday. Yeah, I think it might be Thursday. Okay, yeah. well, check out your booklets, guys. Uh, once you get your Burning Man booklet, uh, check it out. Celtic Chaos. We're normally on 10. Uh, our final address hasn't been set just yet, I believe. But check us out at 10 o'clock for Paddy's Day on the playa. Uh, bring something green to wear. But you mentioned it's definitely a learning experience. And one of them is that know that it's a marathon not a sprint you know you can't burn yourself out too quickly in that week and it is about replenishing your sleep replenishing your water like it's a full week and then bookend that with a couple of days in Reno either side it's a lot um but yeah pacing yourself is a is a is a good thing and for people that maybe are thinking about going to Burning Man and they um don't drink anymore they should know that there's AA meetings in the city every day multiple times throughout the day if you're not into alcohol uh there's so much personal development there's a marathon every Tuesday that starts in the middle of the night or at midnight so that people aren't running in the in the high heat of the desert so you can do a marathon activities workshops yoga breath work arts crafts anything it's like mm -hmm. if it if it's not available it doesn't exist in my mind in burning man yeah that's so true yeah with like you know hundreds of theme camps like there's so many things and so many camps catering to all different things. Like, I love the fact that you can go and get your bike repaired. There's a couple of different bike repair camps because everybody's bike is going to break in that climate. Whatever people's skill is back home, that's what they bring. I met this uh, baker from Europe. Every morning they get together, they have a bakery and they bake fresh bread and that's their gift. And uh, another person I was speaking to spoke to me about the French Quarter and like yeah. mixologists who make these beautiful cocktails. Uh, you can get a massage like it's just so beautiful to go out and spend a day and not know what what gift is going to come upon you or what gift you're going to be to somebody else for sure yeah they call that playa dipity um mm -hmm. you know there there is you know so much magic and like you need something like my uh, heel of my shoe my boot kind of separated from the sole at burning man you know, and uh, someone told me like right around the corner is a shoe repair place. No. Like, what are the chances? <laughs> or you're like, oh, I would, I'm starving right now. Imagine like, imagine a gorgeous like fillet steak. And then there's like, you know, steak camp, like <laughs> right there, like gifting filet mignon and uh, try to. <laughs> I heard there was like a degustation as well. Uh, there was a camp that did a degustation for people. So the full seven courses, you can catch a flight, you can be gifted a flight. So do you have any instances of Playa Dipity that spring to mind where you've just thought you need something aside from the shoe, which is absolutely <laughs> epic, uh, but any hot pizzas being delivered to you in the dead of night or? 
Um, well, we, you know, I've always got great food at Burning Man. Um, you know, midnight poutine, poutine fries. We have also, you know, gifted uh, hot dogs. Um, but I guess one of the most special gifts I ever got um, was you were just talking about a flight over Burning Man. I did actually fly over the playa. Um, I was told in 2017 to go out to the airport and try and find someone called Firefly. And I was with Louise O'Sullivan and literally we got there and there's like loads of people waiting because you can actually go to the airport and see if you can, um, you know, get on a plane and, and fly around. So, you know, we got there, put our name down. They were like, you know, it's a long wait. You know, it was like three and a half hours. So me and Louise sitting under the shade. And the next minute, just there was like a dust cloud. And this guy comes walking out of the dust cloud with aviators on. And I don't know what made me. I was like, that's him. Firefly, Firefly. So <laughs> the two of us went up to him and he was like, yeah, how are you girls doing? We were like, uh, we're great. We're even better after meeting you. And he goes, do you girls want to go fly? And we were like, yes. We <laughs> so uh, he took us in the plane and uh, yeah, we flew all over Black Rock City, flew over Celtic Chaos, each mountain, you know, on the left and right of the playa. And that, I think, like, what a gift. Um, we invited him back to Celtic Chaos that afternoon and he came over for some whiskey. And, yeah, we, we looked after him in, in return for, um, for that ad adventure. It was crazy. Wow, that would be epic. I have no desire to ever jump out of a plane to skydive, to bungee mm -hmm. jump. Just no. And I was getting ready for bed last night and it was the first time I ever thought it. I thought, you know what? The one and only time I think I would do it is if I was parachuting into Burning Man. I think I could make an exception then. I just have no desire because it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that would be just once in a lifetime experience because I've seen the videos. I've seen those people coming down and to see the scale of the city. What a way to come in. Yeah, seeing it from the sky is pretty special. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Natasha, any final thoughts well, I think we covered a lot of ground. First of all, I love the title of this podcast. So maybe that's I'm going to steal that and that can be my final thought for this conversation. Um, embracing the chaos is something I've had to do over my journey with Celtic Chaos, being someone who meticulously plans and organizes. Uh, but there's something special when you do embrace the chaos. Um, I think it's really about letting go of, of control and leaving room for spontaneity. And when you do that and leave space for other people to show up, uh, to self-express, to participate, to get crazy, to do whatever they want, something magical happens. Um, so that's what I think. Um, I think more people should lean into the chaos in their lives. Because even when things go wrong, um, one, it creates a really memorable story. And two, there's a lot of learning when, when things go wrong. So um, Embrace the chaos, folks, and uh, I hope to see many of you on the playa this year um, and come visit Celtic Chaos. For sure. Thank you so much, Natasha. You've been an absolutely wonderful guest and a wonderful queen of chaos. Thanks, Joe. It's been a pleasure. And I want to give my heartfelt thank you to you for doing this podcast series and, you know, taking Burning Man culture out in the world. And so many people, I think, are going to find this series really helpful and uh, are going to enjoy listening. Um, oh, so yeah. thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. And I hope to see you either on the Duster at the Mayo Burn, whichever <laughs> one uh, we both coincide with first. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Embrace the Chaos and a huge heartfelt thank you to Natasha for being the first interviewee on this new podcast and also for the tireless work that she has done over the last decade for Celtic Chaos and the community at large. The music that you've been listening to in this episode of Embrace the Chaos was provided by Malice and Incas from County Cork and the title of the song is Shocking. You can find it anywhere that you stream music. <laughs>